ministry apprentice here at Oasis Church. And this morning, it is my absolute privilege. I'm so excited to open the scriptures with you and see what God has for us in them. Um, It's a pretty detailed text, as we just heard. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, please keep them open uh, during the sermon. It'll be helpful to you. Why don't we just ask for God's blessing on us again? Uh, Father, we just come before you now, and we would just like to ask that you will bless us. Please speak to us through your word. Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit will be at work in this room, making clear the scriptures to us, encouraging those who need encouragement, challenging those who need challenging, and causing each one of us to worship you. Amen. I'd like to start by asking you to turn to the person next to you and share the most recent time you told a lie. No, don't do that. (laughs) No. Uh, But have you ever made a promise that was then very hard to keep? Um, I recently heard about a Spanish king who made a promise right at the start of a war that he wouldn't shave his beard until he'd won a battle. And unfortunately for this king, he lost and lost and lost, and his beard grew bigger until he's this massively bearded man. Today, we're looking at a passage whose theme is all about promises. Promises that prove that Jesus is not just a charismatic cult leader, but that he is really and truly the actual son of God not just a human mystic or a nice, but delusional moral teacher. If you have a friend who wonders about Jesus' divine identity, or maybe you wonder sometimes, this is a passage that you should study further. We're in the second week of a new sermon series called The Christmas Playlist, and we're looking at four different songs which you find in the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke which is one of the four historical accounts of Jesus' life that we find in the Bible. Last week, as you remember, um, Adam unpacked Mary's song for us. And this week, we're going to unpack Zachariah's song. Now, we all know who Mary is. She's probably the most famous lady from all of history. But who is Zachariah? We would learn about him if we had the time to flick back just a couple pages in our Bible uh, and uh, read earlier in Luke chapter 1. He was a priest descended from Aaron, Moses' brother, which meant that he was a Jewish priest of the most special kind. He would serve God in the temple. And Zechariah's identity is really important for us because Zechariah is a trustworthy representative of the Old Testament. And as Luke chapter 1 verse 6 tells us, he was known to everyone as a righteous man, a godly man. This is a guy who knows the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament, inside and out because it was his literal job. This is a guy who's been longing his whole life for God to do the things that God had promised to do throughout human history. Longing for the promises of God to finally come true. And one day, as Zechariah was serving God in the temple, 
an angel appeared and told him that his extremely elderly wife, Zachariah's also elderly man, Zachariah's elderly wife, with whom he'd not been able to have any children, that she would become pregnant and give birth to a son. And that special son was supposed to be named John. And John would have the job of preparing people for the coming of the promised Savior, the Messiah, the Lord himself, the one that all of the Old Testament looks forwards to. And Zechariah didn't believe the angel. So the angel told him, well, Zechariah, you're going to lose your ability to speak. You're going to become mute until it comes to pass. And sure enough, we read, when Zechariah went out of the temple, he couldn't speak. He was mute. And the angel told, as the angel had told him, his elderly wife miraculously became pregnant with his child and nine months later gave birth to a son. And eight days after that son was born, he's very tiny. You have to imagine the tiny little baby hands, the tiny little baby feet. Nine months after he was born, uh, eight days after he was born, there was a party to name him because that's what they would do in the Jewish, cust- uh, Jewish customs of the day. Uh, they'd name the child eight, eight days after he was born. And people thought that the child would be named a name that was in Zachariah's family, maybe Zachariah Jr., But Zechariah, he can't speak, remember? So he grabs a writing tablet and he writes down the child's name is John. Just as the angel had instructed him to name the child. And in that moment, God lifted his inability to speak and he immediately began to praise God. And not just praising God in his own strength, but as verse 67 tells us, if you've got your Bibles, In a special way, God was speaking through Zechariah. For about 1,500 years, Zechariah's words have been called the Benedictus. uh, Because in Latin, the first words of the passage are Benedictus, which means, like it says in our English Bibles, praise be to God. And it is a helpful name for us because Zechariah's goal, after months and months and months of complete silence, are words of praise and thanksgiving to God. It totally colors this whole passage and helps us to know how we should approach it. Zechariah has spent months thinking about what his first words would be. He's been searching the scriptures in joy and excitement. God has said all the promises he's made are going to come to pass in Zechariah's life. His excitement can only have grown when Mary visited his wife Elizabeth And Mary shared that she too had been visited by an angel and told that she, a virgin, would give birth to God's son. This is a joyful passage. And it's my hope that as we look at it together this morning, we will see that God is worthy of praise, that our hearts will be filled with joy. And in response to Zachariah's praise, that we will also worship God as well. And as we'll also see, this text is supposed to act as a kind of identity verification for Jesus, kind of passport, proving that Jesus isn't an imposter, but that he really is the fulfillment of the entirety of the Old Testament, all the promises that God has made throughout human history. Zechariah, as a priest of Jewish priests, is wanting to show that true Judaism finds its fulfillment in Jesus. That the God of history 
fulfills his promises made to humanity in the person of Jesus. So with that as background, why don't we get into the text? We're going to look at it under four headings. Uh, Promises to David fulfilled, promises to Abraham fulfilled, uh, the promise of a preparer fulfilled, and the best promise ever. Starting with the first one, promises to David fulfilled. Um, Looking at verse 68, it's really an introduction, not just to this section, but really to the whole song. And Zechariah, he talks in verse 68 about the fact that God has come to his people and redeemed them. Now, redeem is a really old English word, and we've got the young people in the service with us today. So if you're younger than 13, and you know what the word redeem means, can you lift up your hand really high for me? Okay, yeah, one, two, three, four, five. Oh, a bit old for that, Jack, but we'll accept it anyway. Redeem, thanks guys, you can put your hands down. Redeem is an old English word that means to save something or someone at a cost. It's a costly saving. Uh, Young people, if you've got your pieces of paper, uh, sometimes one of the questions on there is, is there a word that you don't understand? If you didn't understand the word redeem, maybe write it down. And if you don't have that question, turn the paper over, write it on the back. This is true. When Jesus came, he did not come from nowhere. He came from heaven, where he was worshipped as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, where he was together with his Father. It was costly for him to come and redeem us. Paul says that Jesus humbled himself by coming to earth. And Jesus did a lot more than that. It was even more costly. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Jesus' coming was costly, and he did it to redeem his people, to save them. That means you and me. This is one of the reasons why Zechariah is so joy-filled. And then he continues, Zechariah does in verse 69, explaining what it looks like for God to come to his people and redeem them. He calls Jesus a horn of salvation, This isn't a musical horn, but the horn of a powerful creature like a wild bull or a buffalo. It's a symbol of power and strength. You can imagine a bull waving his horn. That's a dangerous thing. And in the ancient world, that was a symbol of strength and power. And also, in Jewish culture, it was a way of referring to the promises that God had made to David. God had promised David that one of his descendants would be a powerful and mighty king who would be pleasing to God and blessed by God, who would reign forever in glory. There are more than 50 references in the Old Testament to God's promises to David. And Zechariah is saying that in Jesus, they are coming true. Jesus, of course, as we know, is a descendant of David. Zechariah is saying that he is standing at the center point of history and watching it all unfold. These promises that he spent his whole life studying are coming true in his lifetime. No wonder he's so excited. Zechariah continues, verses 70 and 71, talking about God had promised to save people from their enemies, from the hand of all who hate them. And this is Jesus he's talking about, of course. And this is another reason why Zechariah was so excited because Jesus is literally the one to solve all the problems. 
Jesus is the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament. This is why we should be excited along with Zechariah. Jesus offers salvation to all who belong to him. They will be saved from their enemies. They'll be saved from themselves, from their neighbor, from their human enemies, from their spiritual enemies, and from the most terrible enemy of all, Satan himself. Zechariah was speaking about these things in faith that they would happen. Right? Jesus was in the womb, in Mary's womb, but he hadn't grown up and done all these things yet. But we know because we can read the whole account of Jesus' life on earth that these things did begin to happen. That Satan was decisively defeated at the cross. Through Jesus, God has already defeated our greatest enemy and promised that anything left will be defeated by him when he returns in power and glory at the end of time. Praise God. Jesus defeats our enemies. Zechariah then shifts gears, shifts gears a little bit in verses 72 to 75, and he moves from God's promises to David, which were given in approximately 1,000 BC, 1,000 years before Zechariah's life, to God's promises given to Abraham, which were given 2,000 years before Zechariah or Jesus were alive, roughly 2,000, 2,000 BC. And he says that God is intending to show mercy to them by remembering the holy covenant that he swore to Abraham. And he's highlighting that Jesus would be the ultimate fulfillment of multiple ancient prophecies given thousands of years apart that Jesus really is the fulfillment of ancient prophecy, that he is expected, that he's no charismatic cult leader, but the true son of God, announced throughout history. Verses 74 and 75 are super interesting and exciting because Zechariah says that through Jesus, the idea of the promised land would find its fullest fulfillment, the land where people can serve God without victorious enemies, without fear, in righteousness and holiness forever. And this finds its fullest fulfillment in the new creation of course, which Jesus will usher in when he returns in power and glory. But it is true even now. Even now we are able to serve God without fear in righteousness and holiness. We are able to because through Jesus, every sin we have ever committed is forgiven if we belong to him. Through Jesus, we are adopted into God's own family and invited to call him Abba, which means dad. That's just about the opposite of fear, being invited to call someone your dad. Through Jesus, we are declared blameless and righteous in God's sight because at great cost to himself, Jesus paid the price for our sin. Praise God, along with Zechariah. In our hearts, we should be praising God because it was God's plan to conquer sin so that we can stand before him blamelessly and fearlessly with our shoulders back to enable us to live and serve God forever as Adam and Eve were designed to do at the dawn of time in holiness and righteousness, enjoying forever relationship with our creator. By faith, through Jesus, we are holy and righteous today. 
even though we still wrestle with sin. But there will come a day when Christ's victory, it's promised to us by the God who keeps his promises, that there will come a day when Christ's victory will be totally complete, the day that he returns. And we will no longer wrestle with sin. We will dwell in perfect paradise forever. Praise God. It's also worth noticing here that Jesus doesn't just save us into paradise. It says he enables us to serve God. Not as slaves, but as children. I have a two-year-old son named Quintus. He's just over there. He loves to help me. Sometimes I ask him to carry this little thing for me or close the door for me or do some other thing. And it gives him such meaning, such joy, such purpose. This is the kind of service that Jesus makes possible for us. Service that gives us meaning, that gives us purpose, that gives us joy. Adam, as we read, was given work before the fall in Genesis chapter 3. And it wasn't meant to be torturous. It was meant to enhance his joy as he cared for the garden and named all the creatures that God had made. This is the kind of service that, God, that Jesus makes possible for us. This is part of the reason why we celebrate his coming. He makes possible service without fear in holiness and righteousness. Service that enhances our joy. Praise God. Isn't he so good to us? I'm so glad that Jesus came, given us purpose. So at this point in the song, in verse 76, that Zechariah speaks about his son for the first time. And it's worth noticing that in this party, in the honor of his own son, the son that he quite possibly was holding as he sang these words, the baby son with the little baby hands and baby feet, this son... Zachariah spends almost the whole thing talking about Jesus, the promised Savior. And that's because, like it says in verse 76, what makes his son John special is that he will be a prophet of God, that he will having the, have the honor of serving a greater son, one who'd been, be born only three months later to Mary, the Lord Jesus. And John would have the honor of preparing the way for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. What makes John special in history is the one with whom he was associated. We know John's name because he was associated with Jesus. And Zechariah wants to serve and glorify and celebrate the solution to everything who is coming in human form. Jesus, just like his son would do after his son grew up. Zachariah is so excited because his own infant son, one he's quite possibly holding his arms, was prophesied in the Old Testament in multiple places. His son, the one in his arms, was prophesied about. He had a role to play. He would be a helper to the Lord of Lords, going before Jesus to prepare the way. And it was all true. 
Zechariah knew the thing that made his son great was the greatness of the one he would serve. It was all true. Zechariah believed it would come to pass. He was standing there. Jesus was in the womb. His son was just tiny, but he can't speak. Zechariah believed it would come to pass. And we can read the entirety of the Gospel of Luke and see that it did come to pass. We could flick forwards to Luke chapter 3 and see that John the Baptist really did prepare the way for Jesus as was foretold hundreds of years before John was born and foretold at John's birth when he was just a baby in his father's arms, foretold by his dad. That's how momentous, how magnificent, how paradigm-shifting Jesus is. Even his preparer is foretold in prophecy. There's something that we just have to realize here, that we're supposed to realize, that God wants us to realize as we study this passage. God is a promise keeper. If he says something, you can trust that he will do it. So when your confidence in God feels shaky, remember that God has already fulfilled so many promises. Remember that even John, Jesus' preparer, has fulfilled prophecies of God. Remember that God promises that Jesus will return in power and glory to reign forever and that none who belong to Jesus will miss out even if they die before he returns. God says, don't worry, I'll resurrect you from the dead. You'll share in the victory. So trust God. Turn to passages like this when you're wavering in your faith, when you're wondering, will God really keep his promises? And remember that your God, the one you serve, is a promise keeper. There's there's only two remaining verses in our passage, and they are magnificent. I think they might be my favorite verses in this whole passage. In verse 78, Zechariah tells us again, echoing verse 72, that God is doing this out of mercy, not just mercy, but tender mercy, it says. And the idea is that it's mercy from the innermost part of God, not a cheap or surface level or false mercy. Not because people are perfect, not because people have earned the right to be forgiven, no. God's mercy is unforced. It's pure and good and wonderful and a gift. Isn't that great? Praise God. Zechariah is prophesying about a forgiving Savior King, one who is motivated by mercy rather than vengeance. This is the God we serve. This is Jesus. And then in the second half of verse 78, he kind of references a bunch of Old Testament texts that refer to a future Savior as a star or a sun or a sunrise. And Zechariah, he probably has dozens of these Old Testament uh, prophecies uh, bouncing around in his mind. But one of the most obvious ones is in Malachi chapter 4 which was the last book of prophecy given in the Old Testament. And it was written about 400 years before uh, Jesus was born. And it says, But for you who revere my name, the sun 
the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And this is a prophetic text that is pointing forwards to a future savior. And Zechariah is saying that this future savior is Jesus. Now, it's kind of a nice metaphor that Jesus is like the rising sun coming from heaven uh, whose uh, rays have got healing in them. But what does this actually mean? Well, helpfully, Zechariah explains it for us right in the very next verse, verse 79. Let me read it with you and then explain some of the beauty of it. To shine on those living in the darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet onto the path of peace. And the imagery here is of a traveling group that has not reached their destination before nightfall. And in the ancient world, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have flashlights. They didn't have phones that they could you know, turn the flashlight on. And it was not a good thing to be caught by the darkness before reaching a safe place if you were traveling. You weren't in a car. You could be attacked by wild creatures or robbers, or you could get lost because you couldn't see the path. And Zechariah is painting the picture here based on Old Testament prophecy. He's painting the picture of a savior who guides the hopelessly lost back to the right path. Those who'd become so lost that they'd just, just begun to live in the darkness and think that it was normal, that maybe there was no path. Those who, as the Christian author C.S. Lewis suggests, forget that the sun or the path of peace even exists. There's just a couple of things worth noticing about this metaphor to describe the Savior. The first is that he's guiding those uh, living in the darkness and the shadow of death. And I believe that Zechariah intends for us to remember the fall here. Humans were created for peace at the dawn of time. Peace with each other and peace with God. But they rebelled against God and became lost. Sin made them lost. Metaphorically, they entered into the darkness, stumbling around, murdering each other. It's the opposite of peace, as the Cain and Abel story illustrates. Always living in the shadow of death, the awareness that the scythe of death is perpetually hanging over their necks, contrary to how we were made to live. The amazing promise of God, though, is that there would be a Savior to guide our feet into the path of peace, someone to lead us out of the darkness, out of the lostness, and out of the shadow of death. This pathway of peace includes peace with God, who we rebelled against at the dawn of time, and peace with each other, peace with ourselves, peace with the creation, peace, glorious peace. It means a pathway out of the darkness and into the light, and a way out of constantly living in the shadow of death, a way into the path of eternal life. God is opening the floodgates of heaven in Jesus. And blessing after blessing after blessing is just going to pour out through his Savior. 
Zechariah is saying that the sunrise is dawning, that the night and everything that comes with the night is ending. This is what it means that Jesus came. It means as the angels will sing on the night of Jesus' birth, peace to those upon whom God's favor rests. Praise God. This is why we celebrate Jesus' birth every year. It's a way that we can celebrate and remember God's goodness to us. The prophesied sunrise has come. God's mercy has come. God's forgiveness has come. All this and more has come in the person of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we are in awe of your generosity, of your mercy, of your forgiveness, of the fact that you give us a purpose and meaning, joy, a way out of the darkness, out of the shadow of death, a way back to the path of peace. You are so good to us through Jesus. And we thank you. Thank you that you are a promise keeper. That you make such outrageously generous promises to us. Thank you that we can rely on you. Father, we just pray for those in this room who are lacking confidence in you. And Father, we ask that you will strengthen their faith. That as they reflect on you, the promise-keeping God, that their trust in you will grow. Please make us a church that has supreme confidence in you. Let our faith be strong and vibrant. Amen.